Today in Attack and Real Estate News, we're going to be discussing the worst markets that could be affected by the real estate crash of transactions. And we're going to be talking about how do home sales affect the economy in the job market in your state, the cost of rental properties across the U.S., which is super useful if you're looking for a new market that has a lot of appreciation. And lastly, we're going to be covering the Internet of Things in commercial real estate. My name is Ariel Herrera with the Analytics Ariel channel. We bridge the gap between real estate and technology. If you want the latest data, tech, and news within real estate, then please join the Facebook group. We're having more and more people join the community every day, and we get to share a lot of fun insights. All right, let's get to it. So the first article was published by NAR, which is a realtor website, and they looked into how do home sales affect the economy and the job market in your state. And why this is interesting is that currently in June, we're seeing a huge decline in real estate in terms of transactions. Because of rising interest rates, a lot of buyers have backed out of the market, and a lot of people who would normally have sold their home are not because they can't actually move up into another property. Beforehand, when interest rates were low, people were able to move from, say, a three-bedroom to a five-bedroom house and pay almost the same exact in their mortgage because of lower interest rates. But now we see an environment where moving would drastically impact the expenses for a family. So both sides, less transactions. And if there's less transactions, you don't need as many lenders, you don't need as many mortgage brokers, real estate agents, and the list goes on. So how does real estate actually impact different markets? This is the aspect of this article. They have found that real estate accounts for nearly 17% of the GDP for the U.S. economy, which is pretty huge. They break this down into a total economic impact into four categories. So first, new home construction. Second, multiplier of housing-related expenditures expenditures related to home purchase, and lastly, income generated from real estate industries. So sometimes from the investor perspective, we just think of the transactions of people buying and selling homes, but there's so much more that goes to it for the real estate industry. There's also buying appliances that are related to a home, as well as fixing up for property, upgrading, and real estate related sectors like the online mortgage businesses. So what NAR does is that they look at the top 10 states that generated the highest income from home sales in 2021. And the highest is Hawaii, followed by District of Columbia, next California. Now, just because Hawaii is number one doesn't mean that because the real estate market is crashing that Hawaii is going to crash as well, but it is definitely a metric we do want to look closely into. And I highly suggest for you to check out the link below for this article so you could see your own state and see the total impact that real estate has. And that can help to gauge whether if we go into a recession or if transactions remain low for a long period of time, if that's going to have a major impact in your state's economy. The next article comes from Roofstock. And Roofstock is a great place to start if you're an investor, you wanna be hands off and you want to evaluate properties, but have someone else do all the work for you of looking into cash flow as well as property management. Roofstock also has a whole learning sector, and they have a podcast out there, so highly suggest to utilize their resources. But ultimately, what they looked into is the cost of rental properties 
and looked at different markets within the U.S. And this is really good if you're looking to get into a brand new market as well. So in the U.S., there's 19,500 villages, towns, and cities. So sometimes we think that everything is saturated. There's too many investors out there. We're never going to get a deal. But in reality, there's so many different neighborhoods and subtowns that there's a lot of opportunities still in the U.S. More than 75% of these municipalities have populations under 5,000. So there are only a few select that have over 100,000 amount of people, but sometimes these niche, really small populations could do really well in towns that cater towards Airbnb and travelers want to go towards. Many of these cities where home values have less than 250K have actually had the highest appreciation rates. So areas with properties that have lower costs have seen a lot of appreciation year over year. Of the article, there's several different focuses, but I want to focus on Sunbelt. Sunbelt is my region, which is the smiley face of the United States, so Florida hits that as well. And the factors that Rufstock looked at is population, population growth, median home values, and home value growth. So there's three different cities that caught my attention here. First, Las Cruces in New Mexico, which has a population of about 110,000, and the population growth over a 10-year period has been 14%. Median home values are around 240K, and the home value growth has been 17% year over year. We also see that there's two other cities here, Greenville, Texas, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that have also seen a lot of growth with median home values around 200K. So even if you live in a market that's really expensive and you feel like you can't actually invest in it, then look at some of these markets that are having a lot of growth and have lower costs to entry. The third source that I looked into was a YouTube video, a podcast called How the Internet of Things Impacts Commercial Real Estate by Disruptive Technologies, and it focuses on interviewing Eric Fossum. I found this interview fascinating. I don't really have that much knowledge of how Internet of Things is impacting real estate, so a lot of this was brand new, but one of the main focuses is sensors. So Eric goes to detail of how sensors are going to disrupt the entire industry because instead of us making certain changes based on frequency, we could actually do it based on demand. So for example, say if you have a commercial real estate building, perhaps you have cleaners come every week to clean the entire building and they clean every single room as well as maybe the desk and also vacuum the floors. Well, that's going to cost money. It's also going to be time as well as managing. So in this case, Eric goes into why not optimize cleaning times? You could put sensors on doors and track every time a door is open. So for example, if there's a meeting room, a big boardroom that's rarely used because most people are working from home, then why should you be cleaning that on a weekly basis? If it's only used monthly, you could track that and based on the demand of needing to clean it is when you actually have cleaners go in there. He also talks about sensors for occupancy, which I think could be really relevant for Airbnbs. Say if your Airbnb is allowed to have six guests, but someone decides to throw a party and you, there's 20 guests there. How would you ever know? You could put cameras outside the house but you could also put sensors to see how many people are in a particular room. 
The other points that Eric touched were air quality and being able to set the ambient temperature for facility management. As well, one of my favorites that he mentioned was property damage protection. So a lot of the times in real estate, we are reactive instead of being proactive. When something breaks is when we go to fix it. But if we have sensors in the right place, we can catch things ahead of time. He mentions sinks and faucets. We could have sensors there to check for any water leakage. That way we could have a plumber go out maybe automatically once our sensors are able to gauge how much water leakage there is. The podcast itself is super interesting, and I think it's very forward-thinking, but not in the sense of, will this ever happen? I definitely think it will probably be more imperative in the commercial real estate first before it comes to residential properties and also short-term rentals, but it's definitely good to think ahead. And if you want to build your own business of maybe consulting others of how to use Internet of Things for their businesses, this is something that you can definitely make your niche. Great. So what's coming for upcoming content? So I've been trying to make my push to have a lot more of my internal tools external. And I was able to publish a month or two ago the property details bulk upload tool, which allows you to upload a CSV file or Excel file of properties and get Zillow information back. I'm also working on a buy box trends tool, which is mostly done. I just need to actually publish it and then finish the course aspect of it. Here's a quick preview of what it looks like. So you'll be able to have your particular buy box and actually see its performance day over day. So how does that differ, say, from Redfin? I had a video a couple of weeks ago on how to analyze markets in Redfin. But the thing is, Redfin looks at an entire neighborhood or entire city. But what if you're only focused on three bedrooms, two bath, 1,500 square feet? Like you have a lot of parameters that you look into. You're not going to get that from this macro view. That's why the Buy Box Market Trends app, the idea is that you set your criteria and then you're tracking that criteria day over day to see how is your market changing? Are there more listings coming onto the market? Are a lot of things still going over asking? What's the median price per square foot? And ultimately, how many properties do we see that are expired or back on market? I think that's one of the things that I've heard a lot of people try to assess. How do we get expires back on market and for sale by owners, which this fully covers? So stay tuned for the course that will show you how to build this on your own, or you could skip that option and just subscribe to this app once it's available. Now weekend plans, love, love, love Fridays, and this Friday I'm actually back in my home state, New Jersey, celebrate a family wedding, and I'll be here for about nine days or so, celebrate my birthday as well. And while I'm here, I plan to see the current tenants that I have, that their lease is expiring. I've sent them the binder strategy, which definitely check out Dion Talks to learn more about that, but the binder strategy basically provides tenants whose leases are ending a view of what current rentals are going for in the market and you're able to tell them hey i'm going to raise the rents but if you were to leave you're going to be paying x amount more so i want to show you that even though i'm raising rents it's still fair market value and a lot of tenants actually don't know what fair market value is because why would they actually even be checking it while they're comfortable in a home So this helps to give clarity on both ends, and I'm hoping I'll be able to retain 
the current tenants. So we'll see. Stay tuned, and thanks so much for watching.